0: I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to The Jimbo Paris Show. Okay, well, Debbie, welcome to The Jimbo Paris Show. And can you begin by providing me a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and what your message is?
1: Okay, so I'm Debbie A. Anderson. I see dead people. That's how I introduce myself, in right. seeing dead people for, I don't know, I'm in my 60s. So for 60 years, I honed my skills as a clairvoyant medium, which is what classed myself for over 35 years now. And I'm still learning. You know, when people say they're an expert in their field, I feel that they're an expert to the point where they're at. And from there on, they continue to learn. But I started seeing her at the age of four. And that time, my parents were going through a divorce. Yeah, my mother, my twin brothers and myself all uh, ended up at my grandparents' house. And in those days, children were seen and not heard. So I would go to bed at six o'clock. And uh, the room was always dark. There were never any lights on in the hallway or a nightlight or anything like that. It's British. You were tough. You know, (laughs) the kids were brought up tough. And first time it happened, I thought it was my mum coming to bed and the light going on in the bedroom because the whole room lit up. And then I saw these little ethereal bodies and I call them ethereal because they were like, uh, little white light beings coming and sitting on the end of my grandmother's bed. And at that point, I didn't understand what that was. So I screamed and cried and my mom came up and she said, oh, you're having a bad nightmare. Just go back to sleep. You'll be OK. So I think at that time when we come through a couple of times because there was nobody there to share with me what this experience was about, uh, they decided to come through and communicate with me in other ways which then as a little girl I would play with my dollies and I would play with my teddy bears I was four years of age so uh they would, they would speak to me through the teddy bears and I had what we were class now with a lot of children and imaginary friends and so that's how my journey started and uh, all the way through my life I've been uh, working on my skills so hopefully that answers that question
0: Definitely. And how did this spiritual experience guide you into a lifestyle of being a healer in London?
1: Ah, well, I wasn't actually in London. Oh. <laughs> Just I was in the UK, in southern England. Okay. So being a healer, I think everybody has healing properties. Okay. And I use the word healing properties, because many of us uh, will understand that, you know, sometimes somebody will come to us and they'll All of a sudden we put our hand on their shoulder or we want to give them a hug or we just want to hold their hand. And usually when that happens, that person will feel calmer even without us knowing it. So we all have healing abilities within us. Mothers especially, please, and dads as well. Uh, When a kid falls over and they graze their knee, how many times does mom or dad pick them up, place them on their lap, Put their hand across their knee and just say, "It's going to get better. It's going to be okay." And as that child, we felt that energy, if you like, that vibration of healing. Even if we didn't understand it, it calmed us. And I think that's really uh, where I had that. And you know, I would notice that I would a friend would have a headache, and I would just place my hand on or above their head, and they would feel better. So. Whether it's God-given, which I do believe it is, spirit-related, which I do believe it is, universal, which I do believe it is. It's all of those things. There is this immense energy that just comes to healers to give us love, to make us feel better in that way. And there are many, many different types of healers that are out there, whether they are religious-based, Christian or Buddhist or whatever – and there are those people that just can do it naturally you know in my my life, my grandmother was a healer without knowing or labeling herself a healer yeah. you know she would she would do magic yeah. <laughs> as I would call it she would uh, we were upset or disturbed or anything she she was a ardent smoker in the okay. days in the nineteen early 1980s and she would have this little box of matches. And she would say, guess which end the teddy bear's in. And whichever end we guessed, it was always the wrong end. But Then she would take the box of matches. Now, I realized as an adult that there was a divider in the this big box of matches. So teddy bear was one side and, you know, uh, so, and she would turn it around and the teddy bear, a little tiny teddy would come out and it would this joyous feeling of magic. So and I know that do this in so many ways and uh, we do it for our children just to raise their vibration so
0: very good what are some of your best success stories when it comes to being a healer in your field
1: I think the uh, development of the vibrational energy therapy which came about just by divine intervention if you like and that was a combination of sound, color, and hands-on healing. Now, I had, as a healer in the UK, I had belonged to the National Spiritualist Healer Group, which was worldwide at that time. So I learned many of my skills then, but I think people have this natural ability within them. So stepping forward for the vibrational energy therapy, it's a combination of sound, of frequency, or frequencies that are emanated to the person while the healing is taking place. The person doing the healing itself is a very, very, very touch to them. Some people have akin to access bars or other kinds of healing that is out there. So it's a combination of that. On It's a five-minute treatment. Basically, it's going through the energy field of that particular person as they're in a sitting position. And the therapist, the vibrational energy therapist, basically places their hands just on the upper part of their body from their torso upwards. And through a tapping and movement, shifts that energy back into alignment again. Because sometimes we get frazzled. And when we're frazzled, our energy is all over the place. We know that. We don't think straight. We don't do anything straight think. to make mistakes. So when we're back in that pure core energy of our self as it should be, we can think clearer. We can make better decisions. And sometimes when we're in that frazzled state, it can cause health issues, it can cause a headache, it can cause a tummy upset. It can cause anxiety and all of those kind of things. So the last part of therapy when a person is finished, which is in a five to ten minute zone, they always visualize a color. Don't ask me how this happens. It just happens. And there is a color code book which they read. And if it resonates with them, then they take it on board. And it's quite funny because people will say, ah, I saw brown, but brown's not my favorite color. I thought I would see blue or yellow or orange or something like that, but I actually saw brown. And then when they'll read the definition of that particular color, it's like, okay, now that makes sense. So it's like the final closing of the healing. So they have ability to know that now this is something they can do within themselves. They know what has shifted and changed And maybe what had been causing it in a very uncalculated way, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, that does make a lot of sense. And you talk a lot about therapy, but how did that fall into more of the other stuff you do, such as tarot cards?
1: Well, I actually read oracle cards, but I started learning with tarot because in those days there were not oracle decks I'm talking about the early um, late 60s mid 60s so there were not oracle decks and all the beautiful decks that are out there at the moment so I began to read tarot without knowing I could read tarot I just basically a friend had given me a deck and said hey play with this if you will well I'm a kid of course, we're going to play with it. I didn't understand it, but I played with it. And I would do readings for people without realizing that I was doing a reading for them. And that was part of that connection with spirit. Now, I went on later in 2013 to create an Oracle deck for adults and then a further one for children and then two affirmation decks. So using cards has always been something that has resonated with me and for many different therapists, healers, psychics, clairvoyants, mediums, whatever you like to call them, they all use different tools like crystals or different therapies and so forth. So the cards for me was something that just resonated. So it was something that I could very easily bring into my day-to-day being. Firstly, for information for myself, I would pull a card for the day to see what I could get information if there was something going on in my life to uh, ask through the cards if there was anything i could do to change that
0: quite interesting and did you ever use these oracle texts on clients specifically or were these mainly focused on yourself
1: i use them when i'm doing readings for clients because that's part of what i do as a clairvoyant i connect through two spirits but partly the cards also tell a story beyond what spirit are trying to explain as well so I will use them in a way that uh, clients especially in the days when we meet kind of thing I would give them the deck of cards and it would help to calm them to shuffle the cards and to focus on what they wanted to know what they wanted to connect with and then from there I would take the cards and then I would start to lay them out and see what the story was being told because that's what cards are—they're a, a, a visionary, uh, a visual story of things that are going on. And uh, you know, when I used to do tarot cards, the one—the cards that I would love to see in a in a person's reading, especially if they come and they said, "I need answers," you know, "I need answers specifically for whatever," and then the Tower would come in or the Death card. And people would see those and they go, oh, my gosh, oh, this is bad, this is bad. And they go, no, this is actually good. Because the death card means that something's coming to an end. So something new will come from it. And the uh, tower card, for me, when I would read it, obviously it depended where it was in the reading, that would be that things have to break apart for us to see things. You know, we go through crisis in our lives at some point or another. And the only way we see that is because the crisis comes up. You know, we can go all along happy, 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 which I have to say I do enjoy. But every so often something comes up, the shift happens, and usually it happens with such a volume of energy that things have to be shattered, broken, opened for us to see them for what they truly are.
0: Can you please elaborate a little bit more on what vibrational what this vibrational energy is?
1: Yeah, yeah. So if we understand, first of all, that we all have an energy field around us, an auric field, we know that when we go into a room or we meet up with somebody, before we even meet them, we can feel the energy of that person before we connect with them. Because what happens is our auric field goes right out around us. Think of like a big bubble that goes around our our body. That's our auric field. And that reaches out and touches other auric fields of other human beings. So if I just take this as humans at the moment. So we've all had that sense when we've met somebody, oh, there's something really bad. Or I just feel that something's not right here.
0: Yes, a gut feeling.
1: Yeah, that gut feeling. So that is actually the vibration, the energy, that our energy is taking their energy, and we're picking that up on a peripheral level uh, to start with. And we've also had that feeling we go into a room and we've not met anybody, we don't know anybody, and all of a sudden we feel, wow, this is great, I want to be here. And the opposite, get me out of here. So that's when the energy, our vibration is connecting and because we are constantly vibrating at different frequencies this is why uh, this the analogy I give is think of it as think of each of us being our own personal radio station we tune in I can tell how old I am here because I'm tuning in with dials rather than just sliding something around we would tune into the frequency that we want to hear now some days it might be heavy rock Another other days, it might be vibrational music. And other days, it may be a talk show. So we're constantly changing our vibration for what we need in our world. And that's happening on in trillions and zillions of people all around the world. So vibration is basically like our energy field that is around us. And within that, we hold all our feelings, our emotions, and so forth. And yes, they do come out. They come out in a peripheral level. The reason some people like to um, stand in the ocean is because they feel that Mother Nature, that Gaia, pulling away, releasing any of the energies. Because water, we are oh, 90% water. We're also solid, so we're Earth as well. And that's why when people go and stand and they love to walk on the grass or lay on the grass, they feel grounded. And we're also there because. We're full of air as well, so we're all the elementals within us, and of course we're fire. That's our heart beating, that pulse. All these different vibrations are connecting with our outside world, with our inside world. So that is everything is a vibration. The table, the solid table, the computer. And I know people say, "But how can a computer have a vibration?" It does. Because it's allowing us to communicate at the moment through that computer, through the different, through energy, through Wi-Fi or through uh, connected to the Internet. So everything is energy. Everything is a vibration. And when we understand that, we can understand more about how we interact with it. Why am I feeling anxious? Is it something that I'm picking up from the person I'm going to be meeting? The situation I'm going into. So listen to that. Connect with that. That vibration is there to show you. Maybe it's something we're feeling a little bit anxious about in ourselves that's coming up. So step into that vibration and go, okay, why am I feeling this anxiety? I always say to people, you can worry, worry, worry as much as you uh, want, but it's not going to change that uh, situation. Okay, we can worry about it. We can go through 10,000. I've done it. 10,000 different ways that this could turn out. But the end of the day, it's going to turn out based on what is actually happening, what we're putting into it, our energy. And that's why a lot of people say when we shift our energy to a positive rather than a not so positive, then things start to happen for us. And it's not the Pollyanna effect. Truly, it isn't. Because there have been times in my life, I've said through gritted teeth, something really fantastic happening when all around me. Everything is cascading in, it's blowing up, it's falling down. But I'm still saying those positive ways, even if I'm saying it through my gritted teeth, because I know that I need to shift that energy. I can go down that abyss, I can go into that energy and stay there. And on many occasions in my life, when things have gone belly up, I've done that. But there comes a point where we rise back out of there. And then we go, okay, I'm ready to face the world again. There is nothing wrong with going into that vibration. But if we're aware of it, if we connect to it and we question, okay, the, the poop has hit the fan here, literally. So now what can I do about it? I can sit here and worry, 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 or I can start shifting my energy into what do I need to do? And these are physical things as well as spiritual things. So... Hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. I sort of went off track there, as I usually do with these kind of things.
0: Help here. So, how do you apply vibrational energy to your mission as a healer?
1: Uh, because I'm a vibration. When I'm uh, connecting with somebody, they're a vibration. So therefore, two vibrations come together. They have that conversation, whether it is in a healing way, whether that is in a connecting to spirit way. So. Hopefully that makes sense because I use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, that definitely makes sense. When did you realize that you were gifted? And how do you know that other people could potentially be gifted just as you are?
1: Well, it, mine was around about the age of four, as I said. So everybody's born psychic. Okay, this is why children up to usually around about the age of seven to eight years of age feel this connection with spirit they will say profound or precocious things that have their parents or siblings or anyone around them going how would they know that why would they say that because they're all they're still connected to spirit that can shift and change as they go into more of what I call the reasoning. When we get to around about seven and eight, that's when society expects us to knuckle down, if you like, get on with the work and do it. So some children go, okay, if I want to fit in here, I can't be talking all this kind of stuff. I can't be talking about uh, grandpa telling me this or and grandpa's in spirit. I need to just let that go. And some children do let that go. That's not to say that it doesn't come back at a later stage because spirit are always there and ready and open to help us. So when people are psychic, they have the opportunity to go on and develop that. So think of it like a hockey player. Kids playing hockey on the ice rink, they're there enjoying it. They play it at school, they enjoy it. Now you've got that one kid that says, I want to take this further, mum. And mum then somewhere them with a coach that helps them to hone their skills to get better at their craft. And then they go on to be a, a, a star player somewhere or just enjoy hockey in a team spirit. So that's the difference between a psychic and a medium. OK, so everybody's born psychic, but people who want to go on to create and connect with that mediumship need to hone those skills. You know, I always say you can't take a weekend course and say, hey, I'm a medium, because if you could, I'd love to have done that 30, 40, 50 years ago. I'm still honing my skills. I learn every single day and things that shift and change within me. I have certain protocols that I've learned from teachers that have gone through the same process. I'm a bit old school, I suppose. I believe that there are many gifted spiritual workers out there and Maybe it has come naturally, but if they don't know what I call the um, rules of engagement, like we get into a car, we know to check our mirrors, we know to check all the dials on our car, and we put our seatbelt on, we are protected. Now, if people don't do that within their spiritual connections to spirit, yes, it does open those portals, those doors, those windows, those accesses to other energy to other vibrations that maybe are not that great hey, we live in a world where there are good and not so good people in living format so that will not change when people die and go to spirit there are still some very malevolent ghosts out there people that are angry that have gone into spirit so we need to know those protocols and i learned My protocols over a a period of time, I got to know who I was connecting with in spirit, my guides, my helpers, my angels, if you like, the people that were my team. And it did change and evolve as time went on, because like us, when we go to school, we have certain subject matters that we need to learn in a general sense. And then again, we hone our skills to learn more about how to do this and how to do that. So we drop some of the subject matters. So we changed our teachers, if you like, to help us to grow. And that's exactly what happens with me. And now I have a team. And I love my team. They're called the center of A. And if you're going to say, where are they from? I don't know. I think they're from different realms in spirit and beyond. And I trust them to protect me. I trust them to set me into integrity. So I'm not going to BS people. And to call me on my on my work and that's for me the most important thing
0: very good answer and do you think now let me i definitely agree with you on a lot of this but do you actually think everyone is equally spiritually gifted because there's definitely a lot of stories of people that are just very naturally talented yes and like anything in life there's going to be some people that have a lot of natural talent and others that do not so do you consider yourself a person with a lot of natural talent or is it more hard work, but you still had a little bit of skill to begin with.
1: Well, I'm concluding I must have had some skill to begin with, otherwise they wouldn't have worked so hard with me. I was one of those, I call myself a child. I was one of those in my spiritual learning that was constantly asking questions. And I would visualize spirit just standing there with their arms folded going, here we go again. She wants more questions. Because for me, I just didn't want to receive the information and assume that was it. I wanted a question. How does this happen? Why does that happen? So whether it came naturally or not, I, I don't know. Maybe I was the one that uh, put the spoke in the wheel and made it harder for myself. I don't know. I I do feel that there are naturally gifted people, not just in the spiritual realms, but in music, in artists, and so on and so on and so on. They just naturally have come in with those talents, with those abilities and that is their role. I think this is the thing that people don't understand. We're all here and we all have a role, okay? Each of us have a talent, a skill, an ability. And whether it's doing readings, whether it's doing a um, hosting a radio show, whether it's being a mother, whether it's being a baker, whether it's a person that takes away our garbage, they're all abilities those people have. And yes, we all have the ability to tap into spirit, to ask for help, for guidance. That's why in many religions, prayer is such a big part of that. I can remember growing up in, uh, I grew up in a Christian household and every night we would say our prayers before we went to bed. I still say my prayers, but I use them in gratitude, I, uh, in thankfulness. I send healing to people, to the world, and so on. So I'm still doing prayer. I might call it meditation. I may call it um, affirmations or whatever. Each of us has a title, a name that we give it. But there's not a day goes by that I don't think any single one of us will put a prayer up to heavens to our uh, belief system to say i need help with this or can you help this or can you help me to understand we do it on a daily if not hourly basis because we need that The, the difficulty there is if we're not listening in our heart we miss the messages the information that spirits send us and they do send us so many messages every single day you know the expression where people say, When did you stop and smell the roses? That's one of those things that when I see a rose now, regardless of what I'm doing, I take a moment to step over to that rose and I smell it. Obviously, making sure there are no bees or wasps in it, but I smell it because that for me is that connection where take time to smell the roses. And I think if we all do that in our process of our life, whether we call it meditation, whether we call it me time, whether we go and lay on the grass outside or sit in a tub of water or swim in the ocean or just sit for a moment, listening to something or reading something that lifts, uplifts our heart, then what that does, it shifts our energy.
0: That's very important. Me time is extremely, extremely. Oh,
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I get to have lots of me time, so I'm very pleased with that.
0: In your 30 years as a spiritual reader, what are some of your best success stories? Can you give me a few of them?
1: Uh, Well, this is where I explain to people. When I do a reading for somebody, I give them the information. And once that reading is finished, that download is deleted. So unless afterwards they comment or they interject or they share after their reading... I don't get to be privy to that information, but I will share some. I'll share a very, very funny story that happened some years ago. I was on tour across Canada and I was in a location and I was doing readings and the store and the mall where the store was in was closed. It was evening time and a lady came in and she sat before me and all of a sudden we heard the literally three knocks. You know, that joke. And of course, I did it. I went, is anybody there? Because I thought it was somebody in the room next door or something like that in the uh, office behind us and so forth. And we both laughed and we heard it again. So at that point, I actually said, hold on. a moment. Let's just see if the owner of the store is trying to get our attention for something. And I went out and she was the other end of the store. I said, called down. I said, were you trying to get our attention? She said, no. I said, is there anybody else in the building? Should said, no, it's completely empty. I said, okay, thank you so much. Went back into the reading. And I said, okay, let's find out who this is because this is a joker. This is somebody that's having a joke on our behalf. Well, it turned out it was the lady's brother. And I have to say to you, I never actually use the F word to a client when I'm doing a reading. But this particular person in spirit Kept on using the F word as uh, every single, F, every other word kind of thing. So I said to her, I was trying to translate it. She said, No, just say it as it is. So I did. And she said, That's my brother. He would never speak any other way. Now, that was a proof to her that this was her communicating from spirit. What I found extremely funny about this at the end of the reading, when we'd finished the reading, I said, he's saying goodbye, but he's saying goodbye by flicking the finger. And we all know what flicking the finger is, okay? And she just burst into laughter. She said, because she had said, tell him I love him and thank him. And he had said, just literally flick the finger and went out. And she said, I'm going to tell you now, every time I would say I love you to him, when he would leave, he would always finger. Nobody apart from our family knows that. So that was proof to her. It was a very funny one because I've never in all my years had the knock, knock, knock going on at all. So because she had explained that and spoken to me about the actual essence of her brother afterwards, then I, it's a memory for me. But most of my readings that I do when I finish the reading, the delete button's hit and it disappears. And the reason that is, is it's not mine to keep. It's not for me to know. That was, I'm just the messenger, if you like. I'm just the tool passed on the message to that other person. It's for them to keep. So that's why I say to people, when you have a reading with me, please record it, please write it down. Because if you ask me questions after we've finished, I will not have a clue of what you're talking about. And uh, so I've helped people find a will. That was a very funny one. Somebody had come to me in person specifically, to try and locate a will. And it was to do with a very tangled web of family, different families, et cetera, where they were trying to, one was saying that this will was overseeing that and so on and so on. So of course, with wills, it's always to do with money or property or something like that. So anyway, the people that came to see me had said they were sure that there was another will that superseded this one but they could not find it and it hadn't been done through a lawyer or anything like that anyway it I gave them the information of where I thought the will was based on the person in spirit and the person in spirit was very upset with what was actually happening so they went away and a few weeks later they said okay we went to where you said and it was there and now we have a new fight on with the will, because it was stated after the original will, so that was what they needed. But they were sure that because they the person in their family that had died had talked about this other will superseding, and that they had written a new will, but they had not seen it. They had not got a copy of it. So anyway, that was one of those ones where I'm going, okay, I found the will, but I didn't know I would find the will, or they would find the will, it was just the person was explaining where it was. And it turned out that it was in a desk or dresser or something, and it had fallen down behind. So it was behind everything. So they'd taken drawers and gone through drawers and couldn't find anything, but it was behind where they had looked. So that was, again, sort of one of those amusing things that, Sometimes I get these. most of my readings I have to say are somebody just wanting to connect with the loved one in spirit so and I don't mean just someone wanting to connect. I mean the majority of mine are not like those two examples I've given
0: you. Trip is the one I can understand, but you can also do remote viewing as well so that's pretty interesting. How do you think that came about? you think you have to do more than just be a medium at times? Do you think a lot of mediums just specialize in that, or are you kind of the unique one that does a lot of different things?
1: i had never really thought of myself as a remote viewer, so I'm curious of why you asked that question.
0: Because um, when you found the will, you you found it without actually looking for it. That's what remote viewing is, yeah.
1: Well, it was more that the person in spirit was actually telling them where the will was. Okay. That person in spirit was saying, it's in, and I could describe the dresser or the, whatever the um where it was and then I just said it's in behind there. like some people say to me okay I've I've lost this particular whatever it is my ring and I and I'll say okay go to the brown coat that you were wearing and there's a hole in the pocket and it's in the lining now I don't know that they've got a brown coat and I'm getting that information from spirit so I'm not quite remote viewing. So if that is class as remote viewing, then I'm doing it and I'm not even aware that I'm doing it.
0: good, quite good. And kind of go more into your business. How did you transform your abilities into an actual marketing tool that you could use to run a business?
1: Yeah, well, I spent many, many years in corporate world balancing my spiritual side with my money side. Like, you know, you have to, be in the. I'm in a real world where I have to pay bills and I have a mortgage and things like that. So I had to pay those. And what was happening was one was overriding the other. So there had to be that point of I have to give up my guaranteed monthly salary to take this leap of faith into creating and having a full-time reading business, if you like, for doing readings. And that came about. And then... In 2013, I was given the opportunity to create my first Oracle deck. And then that added more momentum to it because then there are three other decks that came after that. And there are more to come. I'm just on, I think it's sabbatical at the moment, uh, trying to do, uh, focusing on different things, teaching, putting everything online and that kind of stuff. So it's a transformation that I'm going through as well. But think there came a point where basically spirit said, you need to step away from your corporate world. Well, of course I never do anything easy. I always do it, the kicking and screaming, you know, the roller coaster ride where you're hanging on for grim death and you go down and you scream all the way down to the, uh, to the point where it goes back uphill again. And I kept on saying, well, you know, at the moment, it's good to have my salary coming in, etc, uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So I was at work that particular one particular day. And all of a sudden, I was in the stockroom doing some sorting. And this box came down and smashed on the back of my neck. And I mean, a heavy box, it crumpled me to the floor. And of course, the embarrassing part about it was it was a very small space. So I had to call for help, and they literally had to drag me out by my legs because they couldn't get in to remove the box because of the way I was crumpled down. I'm blessed that it didn't break my neck because of the way I went down, and I was in a lot of pain, so I had to go for physio and healing and was on drugs and all those kind of things that you do so during that process, Spirit was saying to me, This is the time you need to just focus on your work. I'm like, no, I need to do my healing. Now I'm in debt because I've been doing this healing and I've now got these debts behind me. And I was driving for one of my, I think I had three more physiotherapy treatments before I was due to go back to work. And I'm driving to the physiotherapist and bang, car hits me from behind, literally rear ends me. My whole neck, my whole body just went into back to where I was beforehand. So I had to start the process again. It gets better because I, as I say, I never do anything. So you would think twice at that. I would go, okay, maybe I'm supposed to leave my job and et cetera, et cetera. So in that process, my job was taken away from me because my boss said, I cannot hold your job open any longer. I need to replace you with the temp. I'm sorry, but goodbye and good luck. So all of a sudden I didn't have the job. So then I had a third, one. I still wasn't listening. I was still not trusting. I had a third accident and that was the third one. They say you have to do something three times before you open your eyes and uh, hear. Well, that was the third one. I was, um, I was told in that time when I was doing my healing about creating the deck and I'm like, yeah, but I need to go back. I need to get a job. I'm in debt at the moment. And you know I was doing all this sort of reasoning with them. And I had a secondary car accident so I had box fall on my neck my first car accident a rear end and then second one was a rear ender at that point I said okay you got me I'm in (laughs) and my healing from that happened really fast so I'm hopeful that. Your viewers are listening and not going to go through the same process. And I would say to anybody, if you get that message once, listen to it and move into it and uh, accept that maybe that's the direction you need to go. But I got caught up in my humanness. I needed money to pay bills, which is something we all have. So sometimes when we're making a shift and a change, like I've had people say, yeah, but if I take this job, which I really want is not as much money as a job I already have, which I really detest and hate. And I don't want to do. And there was a famous saying that it said, follow the follow your passion and the money will follow you. And I always try and remind people that because to me, that's exactly what happened. I followed my passion, I listened to spirit. And yeah, I, I love what I do. I feel very blessed every every day I rise from uh, my bed, etc. And I give in gratitude, so I think we need to listen to what we're being, com- what's being communicated to us from the divine, from the source, whatever it is—family, in spirit—that is trying to help us. And yeah, if the money isn't as much, then sit and go, okay, what can I go without? What can I not have that I was having because I was earning this great money? But now, if I'm going to be earning less, what can I do without? Is it something I can cut back on for the moment? Because once we follow our passion, the rest just comes with it.
0: Excellent. That was a little bit of self-improvement motivational speaking there. And I was quite interested in what you said about the Oracle decks. Usually when you look at tarot cards or anything like that, they usually come pre-made. So what do you mean by having to make your deck? Did you have to make all the cards? Is yeah. it, How does this work?
1: I self-published my Oracle deck, and here's the, here's the deck. This is it, the Vibrational Energy Oracle deck. So I had no idea I was going to create an Oracle deck, and it's 52 cards, and each of the cards are individual images. Unlike a tarot deck has suits and honors, an Oracle deck can be different cards. It can be 40, it can be 36, it can be 100 cards or whatever. That would be a massive deck. I thought mine was huge with 52 cards. That's a lot of cards in a deck. And they're all individual cards that are read as an individual card. So they don't, um, they create a story with tarot. There's a way that they're read that makes it sort of like a process that you go through. And that's why when people read the tarot cards, there's a certain way that they read them. So with Oracle cards, yes, I self-published. So that was a journey. Again, something that I'm going, okay, okay, First of all, I've never created an Oracle deck in my life. I've used them. And secondly, I had no idea involved with publishing that deck. So how did I go about it? A lot of it was um, (laughs) self-learning as far as self-mistakes. That's what I call self-learning because when we learn things, sometimes we have to make a mistake. As Einstein said, you you keep making mistakes, but that's how you improve and you learn not to do that again. And then I found a printer at that time in Canada that was able to actually create the deck. He had never done a project like it. It was an expensive project, but he said, OK, let's just do this. So we worked out how big the card should be, what kind of card stock it should be on. Um, at that time, he put them in what they call a tuck box. Now, a tuck box is like your average deck of cards that you play poker with. That's a tuck box. Uh, I went on to have it developed as a clamshell box which is this kind which they're two hard packages but again each of this was a learning curve and then of course it was like okay so I've got these decks (laughs) how do I know that anybody likes them gosh there's been so many people that self-published a book or something like that and they've got a garage full of books that they're giving to family friends for um, birthdays and so forth so I had to go okay How am I going to do that? And at the time, my husband said, let's go on tour across Canada, and you can contact and go to all these different stores, show them your deck. We can do a small print run and just see where it goes from there. Because usually a smaller print run is a higher cost to the publisher, which was me. But of course, a smaller print run didn't mean that I had to have a storage facility to put all these decks in, should they not sell. Well, I connected. And again, this is a divine synchronicity, if you like, of all these things coming together. I connected with somebody that said, I'm going to take you out. You're going to do your first sales pitch. I said, but I'm not a salesperson. I truly am not. I don't know how to sell. I want somebody to sell them for me. And she said, you've got to lose that concept. You've got to go out there and sell them yourself because you are the creator of this deck. And you, more than anybody, know what it can do and how it works and so forth. So I started to do what I call a meet and greet. I would ask the store if I could have a a table and some space in their store and a set time. And I would create posters and things that they put up in their window. And we we, um, shared on social media and so forth. And people would come along and just play with the deck. And then I would give a percentage of my sales to the store so that they would see, okay, this deck is selling. And now. They could make a decision on whether to sell that deck, to have that deck as part of their infantry in their store. So that's what I, I did. I, I started across Canada in Vancouver at that time, Vancouver, British Columbia, and went to the other side of the country into up into Newfoundland and then back again. So it was, I think it was six months trip that we did. I ended up having decks shipped to different locations from this printer. I'd say, OK, the first um, print run I had was 200 decks because I thought 200 decks is still a lot of outlay and also a lot of commitment to sell. Well, I sold the decks really, really quickly. So I thought, well, OK, I don't want to take this as being I need to do more, but let's do 500 next time. And then after that, I did a print run of a 1,000 decks every time because they were selling so quickly, which was beautiful. People loved the deck, the simplicity of it. They loved the imagery on the card. They loved that it had a very small write-up in the uh, guidebook and so forth so that it wasn't overcomplicated. And that was something I got with Spirit. Keep it simple. Everything is overcomplicated in your world. Keep it very simple.
0: Excellent, and I'm gonna be honest here. It may be a little bit difficult for people to believe these decks are simple if it can have as much as a hundred or fifty-five cards. Yeah. Can you kind of give people a gist of what these ca- how these cards work? What is the scheme okay. of building right. an order? Yeah. deck, or okay. your specifically the one that you're selling? I'm
1: gonna just. I, I say to anybody, when they get a new deck of cards, whether it's an oracle deck, an affirmation deck, whether it's a tarot deck, take the cards and just shuffle them because they're in alphabetical or numerical order. And we, so when I say to people, there's no right or wrong ways to shuffle the cards. Some people like to, they say, well, the cards are, I'm not very good at shuffling. So I say, okay, lay them across the countertop or table and just do what I call the mix. And then put, that's how kids shuffle. They put them on the table and then they just mix them up. And then afterwards, when you're ready, just shuffle the cards. And if one falls out like it did, just as I started to shuffle there, I'm trying to do it so that you can see it on screen. It's very humble. And several more fell out as well. So if cards drop out when we're um, shuffling a deck, I always say to people, they're the cards you need. And if they don't, they don't decide on which way you want to take it whether you want to take it from the top of the deck the bottom of the deck you want to put them into piles there are no set rules of engagement here there are different ways that people teach you can do this when I teach it I always say to people step outside of the box step outside of the sandpit and just do it whichever way you feel drawn to do it and then when you've got your cards and I got four cards here so then I would get the person to do the reading so they either read from the book the guidebook or they could read intuitively and that's something I think in my card reader course how to do this intuitively and then go back and rely on the book because the whole part is we want to tap more into our own intuition how we can use it what we can get from that and how we can go forward so if I was doing this reading for you and I pulled these four cards and the first card up was clean sweep what that would indicate to me in this particular reading for that Which we're going to say is you, Jimbo, is that some things need to be cleared out, some things need to be got rid of, gone, moved, taken out. Because when we do a cathartic closet cleaning, for instance, we go into that closet and we go through the things that we think that we need and the things that we don't need, and then we start to become a little bit more harder with ourselves and go, okay, so I have the things I want to keep, the things I think I want to keep, and the things I want to get rid of. So then we go through the things that we don't want to keep. Or we do want to keep, but we don't know. And that's what we have to really be hard on ourselves to do this. And because the reason that's come up, the second card is new beginnings. So the reason there's this change, this clean sweep, which came up in this first card is because there's new things coming up for you. Okay. The new things that are coming up for you are new opportunities. All right. That's what I'm sensing at the moment. I'm sorry. I hope you're okay with this. I'm doing this reading. And I said for whoever, but I'm just doing it for you. So there's sure. the opportunities that are coming up. Some of them are clear to you, as you can see here in this card. It's quite clear you can see them. And some of them are behind the scenes. They're not quite visible to you or not quite known to you at the moment. And this is a bit like me with the taking the leap of faith when I move from corporate world into, um, doing my spiritual work fully of trust. And this is what the spirit is saying here is trust. You're guided. You're always guided. You're protected. When we talked about earlier on this um, golden bubble or this bubble surrounding you being your aura, so you're protected there. And whatever this new beginning or new thing that you're going to be stepping into, it has to be fun-related. Okay, this is the giggle factor. For you, if it's not on a level, like for you, you don't like heavy, okay? That's what I'm getting with this new venture here, this new beginning. After you've done your clean sweep is something that you need to have fun with. And I get the sense that the fun part is also going to be you a bit more in control rather than others controlling you and not telling you what you should do. So if this was a new show, a new uh, business or something like that, this would be saying you are in in charge of it, <clears throat> sorry, you're in charge of it rather than somebody else telling you this is what you need to do. These are the kind of people you need to have on your show, da-da-da-da-da-da, okay? And the last card which popped up was time lapses. You get a lot more when you're sleeping. Information. You know the expression that we use, and we don't realize how resonating that is. Is when somebody says to us, "Hey, I've got this great idea," or whatever. People use that expression. Let me sleep on it. Okay. When that expression or that sense comes up to you, of let me think on this for a moment. Let me just. Work on it. You get answers in sleep state, in dream state. Either you wake up with ideas the next day or wake up in the middle of the night and you've got to be jotting things down. OK, so that's just an four card that came out there reading. So that's how simple I do that. OK, so hopefully that resonated or didn't or that's your choice. You don't have to share. I just feel that there's something there that's coming up and. Once you're bought into it, I think the word is, bought into it and you're going to clear out all the other stuff, you'll make it an easy transition.
0: Oh, that's very good because you went down through kind of a simple gist of how the readings actually work. Yes. So you see it there. This is how you do it. It's not this overcomplicated thing. It's just it's a lot based on intuition. And She is an expert in this and has a lot of credibility in this field. So let's kind of phrase it in this way. If somebody could step into your shoes, what would be the first piece of advice that you would give to them?
1: Don't be so hard on yourself. I uh, Always be in truth and in, in integrity. And that is something for me, I will step away from something if I don't feel the integrity part is going to be there. So those would be don't be so hard on yourself and always be in, in your integrity. And don't because if you're in integrity, you're not in ego, okay, and some people go into ego, and there's nothing wrong with that, but in the the work that I do, this is more about humility than ego because I'm just a tool as I keep reminding people, I'm just a tool, I'm just a messenger, I'm just that phone line to whoever it is, through the information that I get, and others can do this, including everyone if they want to. I'm just that phone line so there's nothing special about me but we're all special in our own way
0: that's very good and i think that's a common misconception people have about mediums mediums are in a sense a medium they're in the middle they channel that message and i think a lot of people bash mediums because they think they are in control of the message Mm -hmm. when or tell them this they can't
1: Yeah. yeah i always say to people don't shoot the messenger when i'm giving some information to you this is what spirit are giving me, I have no control over it. Just as I have no control on when somebody books a reading and has a reading with me, who's going to come through? You know, I've done platform stage platform shows where I've gone to people with a message. And afterwards, they've come up to me and said, you know what, I needed that message. It was exactly what I needed to hear. But I was just so surprised it was Aunt Edie that came through and not my grandfather. And I said, well, All I have to say is was Aunt Edie in life, a very pushy lady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So sometimes it can be the person that is more pushy. Maybe if we're hearing it from Aunt Edie, we're going to listen to it more than getting caught up in the emotion of it coming from our grandfather. I don't know. I have no control. I always say to people when I do a private reading for them, when I do a one-on-one, i.e. not in a group setting, that we can check in at some point and see who else is there. If there's somebody specifically they want to connect with. But I conclude that the message that comes through is usually, hopefully, the one they need to hear. Not everybody will say to me afterwards, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And sometimes I have just had a message from a lady that I did a reading for about six or eight months ago. And she said, whatever it is I had was telling her would happen, it's just happened. She said, at the time, I didn't see it. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. And now six months down the line, yeah, it's exactly as you had told her. And, of course, I said to her, well, I'm glad about that because I have no idea what I told you. <laughs> but it was nice to hear that. Not everybody does that, and that's okay. I don't expect people to, what is it, uh, stroke my ego. That's not what I'm here for. I, I'm just a messenger. And that's what I say. Sometimes we don't like to hear the message. I've been there. Excellent. Experience that. Yeah. So it's just when we, uh, this is where, as I say, again, I make, I invite people to record their uh, reading when they're having a reading from me. So that way they can go back and listen to it later and again and again and again. Because I know sometimes when I've had a reading, it doesn't resonate. If I've had a reading with somebody else, it doesn't resonate immediately with some of the things. But then I go back and listen to it. and I'm like, oh, OK, that's making more sense. Or maybe a few months down the line, I'm like, oh, wow, that came into play.
0: Very good. We've talked about your spiritual path and so forth, but who were some, did you have any people in your life that were influential to you as well?
1: Well, I, I think one of the, uh, the spiritual mediums that I remember the most was Gordon Higginson. And that was when I was at the Arthur Finley College of Metaphysics, which is in Stansted in Essex. It's a bit like a Hogwarts, if you like. I always say to people, they have astrology, they have healing, they have Reiki, they have so many metaphysical things that happen there. But the time I was going, it was just purely healing, mediumship. yeah, Healing and mediumship were the core skills that they offered. And it was Gordon Higginson that was one of the teachers at the beginning there that really made me um, sit up and look at, What he was able to do and how his abilities that he did, that I felt in my heart, I want to be as good as him. I want to be able to share like he did. Because, like at the beginning, none of us have our wordology. Like when you started in doing these podcasts, you probably had to work on how am I going to do this? How am I going to deliver this? And we fumble our way through and we uh, then we hone our skills. And so he was one of the most influential in that respect. Louise Hay, as far as she was the path trailblazer. Her and Dr. Wayne Dyer were probably two of my go-tos as far as reading and affirmations and that kind of thing. So they're probably the most three influential people in my life thus far. And of course, I have my family members. My dad was a great supporter of my work when he was alive and he still is in spirit. He's still uh, waving the banner kind of thing. So I'm very blessed in so many ways. And there are so many people that assist me on a day-to-day basis. My family, as I said, my, my husband and my son and all of those people that believe in me. And I think that's a big part of anything that we do in life, whether it's mediumship, whether it's a podcast host, whether it's a baker, whether it's a seamstress. When we have people that believe in us, we believe in ourselves and we create even more amazing things than we could have done.
0: Very good. Can you provide perhaps some outlets where people can connect to you online, websites, what you're selling, what you're giving?
1: Well, I would suggest anybody that's looking to find out more about me, my decks, my work and that is to go straight to my website, which is vibrational-energy.com. And you can connect with me through social media on there. There's a lot of free stuff there as well. So it's not all about the selling as far as I'm concerned. It's all about the sharing and uh, it tells my story. And there's podcasts that I've been on. Um, posted there as well so people can listen to different talks that i've done um with different people like your wonderful self here jimbo and uh learn more about me so yeah vibrational energy.com
0: very good and do you have any uh final words you would like to say
1: uh to to remember that every 24 hours you have a clean slate to create to be to enjoy to embrace And then if that has been a poopy day, that 24 hours today is a poopy day, when you wake up tomorrow, have that whiteboard or chalkboard erased and start a new day. Start a new day with new things that you want to do. Start writing down what you want in your life. Because the more we affirm to that, the more it has the opportunity to manifest and also for spirit to say, hey, we can help you with that. If we don't Uh, finite and say I want to feel love or I want a brand new red car or whatever it is Spirit can't help us start working to help us in in that uh, vibration
0: excellent well this has been a great interview thank you again for being on the show and yep this is the Jimbo Parish show thank you for listening to the Jimbo Parish show